Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you so much for your worship this morning. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5 for our Bible study time. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Reach inside your bulletin, pull out the notes so you can follow along, fire up your Journey Church International app. Everything that's on our screen will be in your handheld device. If you don't have a Bible or didn't bring one, no big deal. All the scripture we use will be on the screens today. If you're streaming from somewhere live, thanks for hanging out with us today from wherever you are today. In 2010, a group of churches, in the southeast got together led by pastor brian beloy a lot of you have met pastor brian he was here speaking last uh, year he comes about once a year he started a church planning network called the launch network and a group of churches got together and said we're going to give money we're going to give training uh, we're going to give friendship um, we're going to give advice we're going to walk with new churches that want to plant and help them get off the ground we were one of those churches um, one of the churches that was a part of the launch network was pastored by Pastor Brian Beloy's brother-in-law. His name is Jonathan Robbins. He pastors at the Summit Church in Winston, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. It's a church that has about 5,000 people every Sunday scattered over three campuses. They have a Thursday night service, then they have six um, on Sunday. Uh, and Jonathan has just become a great friend to Journey Church the last few years as we've had questions about small groups, as we've had questions about online church, as we've had questions about buildings, as we've had questions about multi-site. Jonathan is one of the many people that we go to and say, how did you do this? What should we do? Here's what we're thinking. Is this a good idea? He's one of the many pastors who are really kind of church fathers to our church. And I love to bring kind of our church fathers here and allow you to get to know the people who are speaking into us so that when we make decisions, you know, there's a long line of very successful pastors who are behind us, helping us kind of filter every decision that we make so we can continue to accomplish our vision here. Uh, We're in week two of a series called Family Stronger at our church. We're trying to learn how to battle brokenness. We're trying to learn how to refuse to quit when times are hard. And today we're going to be talking about conflict. But our pastor today, who's going to bring us the message all the way from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, he left his church of about 5,000 people to hang out with us and preach all day long, uh, is Jonathan Robbins. So would you welcome Jonathan to our stage today as he comes to talk to us about having stronger families. What a treat to be with you all from the southeast an hour earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's not too bad. It's a little bit different. Hey, we've been watching Journey from a distance. And to be up close and personal is a whole different deal. What, what an amazing thing to be able to see what God is doing here. To be led by Pastor Christian and Danielle, you, you guys have no idea just how blessed you are. Maybe you do, but you probably need to know more. Just what an awesome blessing it is to have Pastor and his wife and this team. Oh, my goodness. Just everybody I've met, first class all the way. I mean, hospitality that comes right out of the New Testament. Man, it's just top-notch. Thank you so much for this opportunity. And we're going to have some fun here in the next few minutes because we're talking conflict, right? We're going to get down and dirty and fight and all that good stuff because that's, that's what happens, right? Where are we going to eat dinner, by the way? Oh, see, that'll start a fight. It's your fault. Your fault. It's not mine. You're going to make us late. You know? Hey, what? What are you wearing? Where did you get that? Mom! Dad! You know, I am sick of your mother. I'm sick of your brother. 
You go to your room. You always do this. You know what? You never get it right. It's over. I'm out. Better get a lawyer. Because I'm filing for divorce. Yeah. Conflict. A clash of wills and needs and expectations and assumptions even. And certainly behaviors. And see, some of you are in the middle of a conflict right now. And you hit pause to come in here and fake it. Which we're very thankful you have. Very thankful. We'll bring that in here. Okay, you can pick that up. You know, the door shuts. Hey, good morning. God bless you. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, that's just, that's just reality. Here's what you need to know. I want to just kick it off by letting you know this. That conflict in and of itself is not the problem. How we conflict is. Conflict in and of itself is not the issue. How we go about conflict is. See, conflict is not the sign of a bad family. Conflict is just the sign of a family. If you have a family, you're going to have conflict. Healthy families fight clean. Unhealthy families are going to fight dirty. But you're going to fight. I mean, I know that somebody's probably sitting there going, well, listen, dear southern boy, you just don't know us out here in the Midwest. This is Midwest, right? Midwest? Midwest. Our family doesn't fight. We don't fight. We don't fight. Oh, really? Well, you also don't communicate. And you also don't have honesty. And you also don't have individuality where you love each other just like you are. The good news is there's a way to navigate conflict together and actually win. There's a way to conflict in a healthy way and be better for it. It's worth it. Let me just kick it off with another kind of big statement. Um, A healthy family is something you're going to pay a high price for. You're going to pay a high price for a healthy family, but you will pay a higher price for an unhealthy one. Every single time. Over time, it will cost you more emotionally, spiritually, physically, even financially. So if you're going to pay the cost, pay the cost for a healthy one. We're going to talk about how Christian families should handle conflict and do life together. Christian families. And the reason we want to make that distinction so clearly is because how that applies to non-Christians. So here's the deal. If you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, or maybe you don't know. Maybe you're just kind of kicking the tires on this whole Jesus thing. You're not quite sure about church. You're not quite where you know you are on the whole spiritual spectrum, and you're here because you lost a bet or someone promised you you'd meet somebody cute. You know that's great. We're glad you're here. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you have found yourself here, or if you're doing the smart thing, which is watch online first, right, and make sure they're not doing weird stuff. And Christians can be weird, so, right? You need to know you're in a safe place, and we are so glad you're here. In fact, we hope you have such a great time that you will come back next time or tune in next time and bring somebody with you or include somebody with you. But you need to know that everything I'm getting ready to say in the next few minutes will work for you too, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a follower of Jesus. This stuff is so good. From, from what Jesus teaches us in his word, it is so powerful. It will work for you. It's true. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, it'll work for you. But here's why that's so important. 
if you're not a follower of Jesus and you try this and you see that it works, our prayer and hope is that you will become interested in what else Jesus has said that is also true for you. But if, you're, but if you are a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, oh yeah, man, I've been Christian for years. Well, good. You've just self-identified as someone that this stuff is not negotiable for. Right? This is non-negotiable stuff in the next few minutes for Christians. We're on the hook for this. And in the first century, Paul the Apostle, a uh, very interesting guy. If you didn't know anything about Paul because you're new to church and all this, this guy was like anti-Jesus and, and in that way, really anti-God, even though he wouldn't want to admit it at that point. But he hated Jesus. He hated everything Jesus was for. He was like the villain, the arch rival kind of thing and went around killing Christians for a living and got paid very well to do it until he met Jesus face to face. Radically changed his life. And so here you got this guy that was on the opposite team. Now he's playing Team Jesus, and he is just changing the world as it was known back then in the first century. And he's writing these letters to these new Christians about how relationships should work. And he's writing what I want to show you to a specific group of Christians in the city of Ephesus. And there's so much of what he says, and I encourage you to read it on your own. It's in a a book in the New Testament called Ephesians. And as you read through this, you'll realize, man, so much of this is about relationships and how to treat people. And everything he says in there about how to treat one another is aimed at Christians, but will work for anyone. And today, since we're talking about conflict in the family dynamic, you need to know this. Everything he says to Christians about relationships in general should especially apply to you and your family and in your marriage. Why? Because you love them the most. It took me years for, to let that sink in. Even as a pastor, I would think, you know, what does God say to the family? What does God say to marriages? And it's like, well, he says to that to them everything he says to everybody else in relationships. And it applies even more. It applies even greater in the relationships that are most important to us. So, like, I'm not going to put this on the screen because it would be overwhelming. It's too much, too much to process. But let me just hit the highlights, and then we'll get to some stuff on the screen I want to drill down into. But as you're reading, like in chapter 4 in this letter, he says things to Christians about relationships. And it applies to your family. Things like be humble, gentle, patient. Make allowance for each other's faults. I love that one. You know what he means by that? Go ahead and create space. For them to just screw up. Because they will. Go ahead and plan on it. Plan on it. Right? Make allowance for each other's faults. Make every effort to be at peace. Every effort. Every effort. Every effort. The majority of the time, people that go in divorce court proceedings have not made every, 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 every effort. See, isn't that convicting? How you talk to each other. He says, be kind and forgiving, just like God has forgiven you through Jesus. So God is very clear. A forgiven person has no right to be unforgiving to another human being. How dare forgiven people be unforgiving? That's basically, so, so isn't that a lot? That's just, just way too much stuff. So we're going we're gonna to just kind of skim through that and get to some other stuff. But that's all in there. And you're talking about conflict and family. Man, I tell you, that's all there. But now he gets very specific, and he calls the family out. He gets very specific and calls the family out in this section right here. Ephesians chapter 5. And further, after saying all that stuff I just referred to, he says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. 
Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Who's he talking to? All of us. Everybody. Men, women, young, old, boy, girl, married, single. If you are alive and breathing oxygen and you're a follower of Jesus, he's talking to you. Submit to one another. Who's one another? Everybody else that's breathing oxygen. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, remember back in grammar school when they taught us stuff like this? They taught us what a topical sentence was. Do you remember that, learning what a topical sentence? Topical sentence is the first sentence, often the first few sentences, and sometimes the very first sentence in a paragraph or a section. And it kind of summarizes what the rest of the paragraph is going to be about or what this next section is going to be about. This is a topical sentence. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so what we're going to read next is an explanation and an application of what it looks like to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. He's going to get more specific. And before we get into that, and there were no chapters and verses back then, so he goes through chapter 5 right on into chapter 6. It's one letter. Before we go there, I want to define submit for you. The word submit means you before me. You before me, you before me, you before me. It does not mean less value. It does not mean you're being dominated in some way. It does not mean you are less than in some way. It doesn't mean you don't have a voice and you don't have an opinion. It just means you before me, you before me, you before me. And everyone is supposed to you before me to everybody else. Now, buckle up. Here we go. Topical sentence. Now he's going to get specific. For wives... This means submit to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, that's been taken way out of context. That's been misused and abused. Why? Because they don't understand. This is not, God's not picking on women. He just, he just started there in the, in the argument. But the topical sentence is to everybody. Mutual submission to everybody. But he just gets specific. Hey, wives, you before me to your husbands. As you would you before me to God. Not saying that your husband's God Lord, that's all he needs. <laughs> no, 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 no. But you, you before me to him. Wow. Watch this. Husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave up his life for her. There's so much going on here. The word submit doesn't actually appear in here but once at the very beginning in the original manuscripts. It's assumed through the rest of it, and we just put it in there for our English translations to help us remember what it's about. He's basically saying, everybody submit to everybody. Wives to your husbands as you do to the Lord. Husbands to your wives. And he gets more specific. Love them like Jesus loved the church. How did Jesus love the church? Great question. He defined it. He died for the church. And so husbands... You die for your wives. Isn't that romantic? Isn't that romantic, ladies? I mean, that's the you had me at hello. You make me want to be a better man. All of those lines just come pouring out right there, you know. And this is beyond chivalry. This is what it looks like for a husband to give his life for his wife every single day. You before me, sweetie. You before me, sweetie. You before me, honey. You before me. And ladies, what woman wouldn't? Respond with a you before me submission to a husband that sets the standard up front of you before me. Am I right? Yeah. It's easy to you before me when someone else is you before me and you. You before me. It keeps going though. Check this out. Children. This is what it looks like for children to you before me to their parents. Obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this is the right thing to do. 
Okay, so this is how children should respond to parents in putting their parents before themselves. And parents, he goes on to you. He talks to fathers, which also applies to moms. But dad, setting the standard here, he starts with us. Look at that. Do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, there's so much here. There's so much here to unpack. All I want you to do is see one thing. This is what you before me looks like. This is what you before me is about. And it means wives to husbands, husbands to wives, parents to kids, kids to parents, everybody, you be for me. Your needs before me. Your ideas before my ideas. Your problems before my problems. Hey, your solutions before my solution. Your way before my way. I want to help you get your way before I get my way. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. If that was the one rule that ruled your family. Now, when you, I thought we were talking about conflict. We're getting there. But, but this, this affects conflict. Imagine. If that was the one rule that ruled your home, your marriage, your relationships, you before me. Wow. I'm telling you what it would do. It would completely change the dynamic of your family. My wife Donna and I have been married for almost 25 years, coming up on 25 years this summer. We have two daughters. Uh, our nest is empty now. I have a daughter that's married, and they actually have a little, a little son, two-year-old, and uh, youngest daughter is a freshman in college. And so after 25 years, I can tell you, I know what I'm talking about. We know conflict. We know it well. We're really good at it. Really, really good at it. We're just better than we used to be. When we first got married, it looked like this. Donna's in the bathroom with the door closed, and she's sobbing. I'm on the outside of the bathroom door saying, what? What'd I do? Why are you crying now? <laughs> Why are you crying again? Right? So that was kind of like the first couple of years. That's what it looked like. Now we're just so much better at it. And now after 25 years with a marriage that's better and stronger than ever and more in love than ever before, man, we've come a long way, baby. I mean, it's just been amazing. Um, and two teenage daughters we've survived. A lot of conflict there. War of words, right? And the drama. Daughter number one took this away. <laughs> Daughter number two made this gray. And so I got the scars to show you. But I'm telling you all of that not to say, oh, well, they got it figured out. No, because we don't. But this is what I've learned. See, I'm, I'm not going to try to sell you something I'm not smoking. <laughs> you get that? Okay. No, no, I just offended. I think I just offended myself, but that's okay. Here's the deal. We've learned that every time we you before me to each other, it moves us in the right direction. Now, I can't control my family, and they can't control me. Everybody in your family has a free will. You can't control each other. Boy, that's one of the maddening things, right? To be responsible for people you can't control. Parenting, that is a challenge. You're responsible for little lives you can't control. They have a free will, and they will use it. But even though you can't control and you're not, try, you're not supposed to try to control each other, every time you, you before me, to each other, you take a step in the right direction to healing and health in your family. Because here's the bottom line. When it comes to conflict, it's really hard to conflict with someone whose attitude is you before me, isn't it? 
And it's really hard to be in conflict with them when your attitude to them is you before me. You before me just kind of messes the whole conflict thing up in a good way. Here's another way to say it. Sometimes I like to change up uh, how, how I say things to make them stick for me. And, and this made this sticky for me in a way that I can get my mind around it. This submit you before me thing is like this attitude. To look to your spouse, to look to your family, to look to someone that you love and say, being right with you is more important to me than being right. Being right with you is more important to me than being right. Here's the deal. Being right with them is more important than you being right. The question is, is it more important to you? Being right with you. That's the heart of this passage. That's the heart of submission. And get this, it's the heart of Jesus, believe it or not. And here's the kicker. Jesus was right, like, all the time. Can you imagine how annoying it would have been to be one of Jesus' friends? I mean, yeah, the miracles are cool and all that kind of stuff, you know. He just keep you entertained all day long. But he's always right. He's never wrong. And he could read your mind, which makes it worse. <laughs> it's so annoying. And Jesus was right all the time. And even though he was right all the time, what was his posture to everyone all the time? We're told over and over in the New Testament, it was submission. You before me, you before me, you before me. And if you doubt that, all you have to do is look at one icon, the cross. The cross is where we see Jesus put the entire world before himself. You before me, you before me. And Jesus was right all the time. Here's the kicker. I'm not right all the time. You're not right all the time. And, 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 you know, we get in stretches where we're not right most of the time. So if Jesus felt you before me was the way to go, how much more should you and I embrace this you before me? Being right with you, being right with you, sweetie. Being right with you, kids. Mom and dad being right with you. It's more important to me than being right. Hey, by the way, side note, parents, especially parents of adolescents, listen very carefully. You're going to be brought to many places in your family many times when you're going to have to make a decision between being right and being right with them. You're going to have many times in your marriage where you're going to have to make a decision. Do I want to be right or do I want to be right with her? Do I want to be right or do I want to be right with him? And being right with them is how you put them before you. And remember, this is required material for Christians. We don't get a pass. You're going to be like, well, I don't think that applies to me. Oh, it applies to you. It applies to all of us. In fact, I want you to listen very carefully to this. This is a bold statement, and I don't make it lightly. But I believe it fully because the scriptures support it completely. You cannot be right with God if you won't be right with each other. You simply cannot be right with God if you won't be right with your husband, your wife, your children, your parents, your brother. Yes, your brother, your sister. You can't be right because God takes it personally. He takes it personally how you treat. Your brothers and sisters, how you treat each other, he takes it very personally. In fact, oh my goodness, I just thought of this. There was this day in the New Testament when Jesus told people at church, at the temple, right? You're offering sacrifices and you think you're all close to God and then you realize, oh, I got this conflict going on that's not resolved with this dude over here. He said, drop your sacrifice, leave the temple, go be made right with that person and then come back. 
and worship Jesus. So we'll wait. Anybody need to get up? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That, that's awkward, right? He's not serious, is he? Send this back. Then this guy back east fast. You know, it's just think about it. Can't be. You can't be right with God if you won't be right with each other. And we come in here and we pretend and we we're like, oh man, I'm serving, I'm giving, right? I'm volunteering. And all week long in your car, you're K-loving. You're close to Jesus, right? But you're not, you won't speak to your husband. You won't speak to your wife. You don't have two nice words to say to each other. Right? You're stiff-arming your parents. You're ignoring your brother. Are you serious? Come on, guys. Come on. It's so much better. This is so much better. And it's not easier, but it's so much better being right with you. Out of reverence for Christ, just as he treated us, as we would to him, this is spiritual. Hey, try this. Try this. Um, I, I don't know. Stuff like this helps me. It's just the way my brain works. Next time you're in a conflict with someone, or if you're in a conflict right now and you're kind of hit pause to come in here, which is cool, when you pick it back up later on today, imagine Jesus standing behind them looking over their shoulder at you, just silently looking at you. It's a little awkward. Why? What kind of idea is that? Well, because that's what's happening. Because he's present. He's here. He's there. He's seeing the whole thing. And I think his eyes would communicate, hey, wait a second. This is my kid you're talking to here. You know what? And you're my kid too. This is not the way we do this in my family. You know, personally, I think I would just look at Don and say, hey, babe, could could we do this later? Jesus is looking at me. (laughs) It's kind of weird. Right? We're going to wait for him to leave. He doesn't leave. <laughs> Let me wrap up with this. Let me give you some quick hits. Okay, this you before me thing, being right with you, and, and making that more important than being right, it's just so crucial. And so maybe in the next few minutes, what, what you need is some practical things to kind of, some handlebars to grab a hold of, to, to be able to pedal this thing down the street a little ways and, and put it into practice. So, I'm going to put a list of things on the screen, and when I'm done, you might want to take your phone and take a picture of them so you don't have to write them all down. You'll get them all, and you can refer back to them later. But these are the kinds of things that will help you know how to do this you-before-me thing and remind you being right with them is more important to me than being right, or at least it should be. Like this. Know that this conflict is spiritual. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. It's all spiritual. In fact, if you keep reading in the letter that he's writing to this group of Christians in Ephesus, a little bit further on in chapter 6, he says, remember, our enemy that we're fighting against is not flesh and blood. So you have an enemy, but your husband is not it. You have an enemy, but your wife is not your enemy. Teenagers, you have an enemy, but I promise you, your parents are not your enemy. You have an enemy, and it's Satan. And I think you were reminded last week that he's got his gun aimed at you. And he's a great shot. This is spiritual. Your real enemy is not each other. And he attacks from the outside and from the inside. And he will, the devil will get in your kids. He will use your children, those precious little angels. Demons are angels too. Just saying. They're just of a different kind. 
right? He will get in your husband. He will get in your wife. He will play you off of one another. This is why this is so important. Listen carefully. When you're in conflict, you're getting played. He's picking a fight and he steps back and lets you destroy each other. I've experienced it. I've seen him do it in my own family. Be wise to it. Know it's spiritual. Know it's spiritual. And you know how to fight it? Say, you know what? Let's just out-submit one another. You before me. No, you before me. No, you before me. Now I'm getting upset. You before me. Right? What if that, what was a submission competition? What about that? All right, look at, look at this. Number two. We'll get rolling. This thing you're fighting over, is it a problem or a preference? <laughs> this is huge. Is it a problem or a preference? You know the difference and you need to identify Problem or preference? Most of the time we fight over preferences. And if you fight all the time, you're probably just fighting over a bunch of preferences. Most people don't have that many problems. Real problems. It's like the difference between a cancer and a pimple. You know the difference between a cancer and a pimple? I do. I've had both. I've beat both by God's grace. Um, I beat a pimple yesterday. (laughs) Um, Cancer about 11 years ago. Um, you don't, you don't want to treat a pimple like cancer, right? And you don't want to treat cancer like a pimple. Cancer is a big deal. You, you go at it hard. It's a, it's a problem. Pimple's a pimple. It'll go away. Now, there'll be a bunch of other ones come up, but it'll go away. It's not that big of a deal. Just kind of wait it out. Be nice and just kind of, it'll, it's not that big of a deal. It's a preference. So you deal with problems and you give grace and space to preferences. Give grace and space. Lots of grace, lots of space. For preferences. Don't fight over preferences. It's not worth it. Number three, don't let your feelings win. Don't let your feelings win. Do not let your feelings win. You'd be surprised how many times we live by our feelings. We live by our feelings. We say what we say because we feel it. We act the way we act because we feel it, especially in conflict. And this is hard because feelings are strong. And they're important and they have their place. They're just very unreliable. You can't trust them. You can't trust your feelings. They will mislead you. They will misguide you down a path and distract you and sidetrack you into a place of unhealthy relationships. So you're feeling, you're feeling mad. You're feeling hurt. You're feeling like you're about to blow up. All normal, all natural. It happens. Take a time out. Remind yourself, hey, this is spiritual. Wait, is this a problem? Or is it just a preference? Because I don't want to get played by my real enemy. And then deal with it accordingly. All right, number four. It's just maybe helps you a little bit. Helps me. Listen more than you talk. Listen more than you talk. Listen more than you talk. Not just so you can interrupt and give them the real deal. Not so you're just waiting for your turn to interject. No, no. Listen more than you talk to understand and to connect. I find it fascinating that the word listen, L-I-S-T-E-N, and the word silent, S-I-L-E-N-T, all have the same letters in them. You say, well, what does that mean? I don't know, but it's really interesting. (laughs) Isn't it? It's just noteworthy. Listen more than you talk. Here we go. Ask forgiveness quickly and sincerely. Clear enough? Get good at it. Get good at it. You want a great marriage? Get good at asking and granting forgiveness. You want a great family? Get good at this. Become a professional apologizer and forgiver because you're going to need it. 
That's what that part we didn't have time to talk about, make allowance for each other's faults. That's what this is about in chapter 4. Ask and give forgiveness quickly, sincerely. And then lastly, ask this question. What can I do to be right with you? And then listen. Stop talking and take notes and learn. What can I do to be right with you? Husband, ask your wife. Hey, sweetie, what can I do? Ask your husband. Hey, hey, babe, what can I do? Hey, parents, you want to connect with your teenager? Take them to do something they like to do and have a conversation and ask them and keep your mouth shut when you listen. Ask them, hey, son, hey, sweetie, what, what can I do to be right with you? Ask your parents, what can I do? To be right with you. Then do it. And I, I know, I know some of you women are going, oh, he should already know the answer to that question. Because I've told him over and over and over and over. But then tell him again. Because this time he's asking. And I know some of you men are like, yeah, finally, I can't wait for my wife to ask me that question. And I'm gonna get what I want now. <laughs> finally, my way, I'm gonna get this, 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 and more sex. Wait a second, wait a second. Time out, though. This is not meant to use selfishly. That's not the way of Jesus. Ask this so that you know how better to you before me them. You before me, you before me, you before me. In fact, let's, before we pray about it, let's, let's do it. I want you to turn to a family member, your husband, your wife. I want you to look them in the eye. Mom, dad, I don't care. If you're related to someone beside you, and if not, and you're all alone in this moment, text text them, right? Text mom, text dad, brother, sister, text somebody. And say, I'll explain later. Watch online, <laughs> right? I want you to look at them right now. And I want you to say these three words, you before me, do it. Now I want you to do it again. Wait, 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 wait. Listen, I want you to do it again and try not to laugh. I want you to be serious this time. You know, that was the cutesy. You before me, we're playing along. All right? Serious. Here we go. You before me. All right, one more. We're not done. We're not done. This is going to get serious. Say this. Being right with you. Say it. Being right with you is more important to me than being right. You need to say that and text it and say it and text it, and you'll be surprised how that helps. Let me pray for you. Dear Father, thank you. Thank you so much for this reminder. I need this in my family, in my marriage, with my children. I need this. And I know this room and people watching online, I know they're in conflict and I know they're struggling. We all struggle. So may we remember who the real enemy is and may we just follow the example of Jesus and you before me and you before me and you before me and get better and better at being right with each other. So more important than just being right. Help me and help us all in Jesus' name. Amen.